You have found the Open Eclectic Podcast, where Nate and Josh talk about everything from mobile games to books to pet peeves to cars to toys. Our interests run eclectic and we're open to more. Welcome to the Open Eclectic. Hello, Josh. Nate. Honorable guests. Whoever you are. Welcome to the Open Eclectic. That's right. We got ourselves a new name now, don't we? Name. There's a little, uh, there's been a, a few things have happened since we talked last. Um, I think you alluded to that a bit in our intro to the first episode. Yeah. You may have heard about the pandemic. I've heard about it. Not pandemic, the board game. The pandemic, uh, Corona. Although I think there should be a Corona version of pandemic and they should call it pandemic the board game (laughs) pretend like it's a movie tie-in the board game based on the international phenomena (laughs) based on the international worst seller (laughs) corona 19 the worst year plus probably two years of everyone's lives i mean it hasn't been it hasn't been terrible for me in my family personally but obviously it's been terrible for a large number of people throughout the world yeah apparently it's no fun no it's a lot of mixed you know yeah getting it obviously is a for some people is a fatal thing a terrible thing other you know um i don't really know anyone who's gotten and i know like one person who got it and she's mostly just you know knocked her out for a while and then she's you know tired but she's still alive thankfully i know uh, a couple an older couple who were in like some of the first batch of u.s people to get it because they were on a cruise that it ran rampant like through the ship i guess and so i've talked to her about it and she was like i mean we say that like oh this is no fun but Getting sick is never fun, no matter what it is, and no matter what level you get it at. They had a really low, I don't know, low level? It's weird. There should be, like, degrees, like, there is for burns or cancer and stuff. So you can be like, yeah, I was a blah, blah, blah. You'd be like, oh, so you had a mild case. I guess we could just say it's a mild case. <laughs> anyway, they had a real mild case. They were like, it was fine. We lived. Right. Other people not so lucky, but anyway. Right. I saw today that we hit... Um, three million worldwide deaths, which is a big number. Obviously, sad milestone. Yeah. Um, are you on the TikToks much? No, no, I'm not on the TikToks. Um, I highly I, recommend you don't. Okay, because I mostly see like people reposting on like Instagram or Reddit or something, but I don't. I'm not actually on it. Uh, this podcast still not sponsored by Reddit, by the way. No. Yeah. I, even though we did talk about it, like, or I talked about it a lot last time. Since then, I've, uh, become, I don't know, a Redditor, I guess. I've made posts. I've commented. Mm-hmm. It's been an experience. But I brought up TikTok because there's this guy who, uh, Ben Brainard, I think is his name, who's a comedian in Florida. He does this bit where he pretends to be different states as they talk to, uh, like, the government kind of a thing. And so he was Florida for a while, and he was like, hey, we have a new high score. 
And the government's like, this is not a game. It's not a game. You don't want high numbers you don't for want this. High numbers. He was like, what? Then how do you win? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Be like New Zealand if you want to win, I guess. No joke. Um, anyway, you know, we, we're we not here, you know, to, to talk about um, the pandemic, even though obviously it's, you know, been part of our lives. You know, we're here to talk about... Um, uh, board games tonight. I guess yeah. what we're going to talk about. Um, but I, you know, anyway, the reason why we were talking about pandemic was, you know, our excuse for for being so so much time in between. Uh, you know, other things happen as well, and get busy, and um, but we're here now and ready to talk about some some cool uh, cool stuff. Yeah, so Nate, you backed a game on Kickstarter a while ago, and it finally came, and we were able to experience that. So, have you backed other stuff on Kickstarter too? Um, this is the first time. No, I backed some other stuff on Kickstarter. Um, I'm trying to think. One of them was, and, and don't worry, listeners, we'll get to get to what we're what Josh is talking about. Um, but anyway, so uh, I backed. Um, exploding kittens. Did you nice from the oatmeal guy? Yeah. Um, card game. Actually, I haven't really played it much. And then I backed a. Um, it was a card game. It was is is made by people who who make um, computer sports simulation games. Okay. They're not like a big company. I can't remember what they're called, but uh, they were making a card game. Um. It was a card football game, and so it had like, it had, I, gosh, I should have dug it out, you know, for this, but uh, it had like, I think it had like different rosters, like for whatever year that it that I got it in. That might have been two thousand fourteen or something. But anyway, it was it was all right. It was kind of fun. But um, this this one that we're talking about now is probably the biggest one that I have backed so far. And how did you come across this? Um. So the game is called Moonrakers. Yes. I don't remember how I found it. I don't... I wonder... It might have been... I, I honestly don't know. It might have been something like, hey, maybe Kickstarter was like, you might be interested in this, or I don't know, maybe I read about it on a, in an article or something, or... I don't know, but I managed to managed to back it, so... Nice. I got... Uh, you know, it takes a couple years for it to everything to go, you know, come to fruition. But um, yeah, I, I backed it and got the game, and and Josh and I and some others uh, played it. Yeah, and I gotta say that the uh, quality, like right out of the box, like Nate brings this thing over, and the box art is gorgeous. It's not overstated. It's not real. It's almost verges on understated a little bit. But it's kind of got a instantly spacey feel, and as he started like pulling the components out, all I noticed that like all of these components are of an excellent quality. You never know what you're gonna get sometimes on Kickstarter. I've noticed, um, like sometimes you'll back something, or I'll see people who back something and they're like, "Yeah, it came. It was like, I don't know, fine, I guess." But it seems like. For what they were asking for, it was a premium game because, like, some of the coins that you use, the money, mm-hmm. the, the money that they use is actual coins, so they clink together, which is 
It's got a nice weight to it. Feels yeah. feels makes you feel like important. Like I'm handling real currency, even though you're not. Yeah. Then it comes with uh, was it five or six unique shaped ships, which is kind of the the premise of the game a little bit, right? You are uh, captain of a ship. Yeah, there's like five or six ships in there, and you take on different missions. Um, what's cool about it, though, is that you can, like, you don't have to, but you can request that other players help you with these. And oftentimes you have to if you want to if you want to fulfill this, this, like, contract or whatever that you're doing. You know, it might be, like, a rescue mission, you know, out in space or, a, like... I don't know, an easy one like fer- ferrying like space tourists somewhere. Um, but there's certain d- different criteria that you have to fulfill on each one. And uh, oftentimes you don't have the resources yourself to just do it by yourself. So you have to ask other people for help. Yeah, and you can upgrade your upgrade the different parts of your ship to different things. And then there's, uh, there's like crew that you can take on, if I remember yep. right. They give you like different bonuses and stuff. Um uh, yeah, crew, and you can you can put parts on your ship that can that'll you know give you some type of benefit. Um, and there's other like in addition to the contracts, there's like like secret missions that you can accomplish that that help you progress in the game. Yeah, you complete so many missions and so many of these like secret missions that you have so some of them is like to get all of a certain type of part on your ship you can have up to four parts to upgrade your ship and so one of the cards is you know if you have four of this same type because there's different categories just like i don't know i guess different aftermarket parts for vehicles now it's but like in space um so yeah if you get four of those and you get a like a certain boost and then it moves you up and the goal is to get to i, I want to say it's like 10 points on there's like a little tracker yeah it's like i think it's like honor or something like that i i could be totally wrong it's got a unique name that it's escaping my mind right now for the for their point system uh but overall it's just an amazing bit of uh strategy and kind of a unique balance i thought for requiring you to co-op with your with your other players because it's not just you doing your thing and then like you try and thwart people it's you know when you take a contract and you're like yeah i'm gonna try and do this but who can help me because you only have and we actually played this wrong the first time we played but you only have so many um actions on your turn Uh, and after those actions are done then your turn's basically over Yep. Um, so you kind of have to have help for some of the missions, but after you like, but you have, but you say that you're taking a mission, and then you ask for help. It's not really like if I take this, who would help me? So there's right. kind of a little bit of a risk and reward factor there, where people can just suddenly be like, you know what, you're getting too close to winning. I'm not helping you. I know that actually one of those little secret, those little secret extra quests or whatever, or. Um, missions is to complete one of the contracts by yourself yeah so i mean that's a good one if you can get it so with that one you're like hey i gotta find one of these really easy ones that only takes like you know requires a couple of these resources that we have so that i don't have to rely on somebody for it um i don't think i've actually i don't know if i actually completed one myself i, I tried and i failed same so like 
pretty sure one of our co co uh, players did though. She yeah. Pretty sure she she knocked that one out of the park. For yeah. the do it yourself. I think one. she did too. And she liked the game so much after we played it that she went out and bought it herself. So, uh, yeah, for her uh, parents, I think, like for family their yeah. anniversary or something. So Moonrakers, there you go. That's, I would say, it's, man, the company. You know, I'm like, hey, we we generated you a sale. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> if you want to kick back to us a little bit, you know, that'd be cool. This podcast is still unsponsored. So, yeah, you know, just throwing that out there. Just, anyway, sorry. I will say that when you, for anybody who picks it up, when you get it out of the box, it is a little daunting. There's kind of a lot of components to the game. Um, but in a way, it's nice because it gives you almost like a play mat to lay everything out on. So you, it, it just makes the game feel a little more premium to me as opposed to a few games where you just kind of, they're like, and make your discard pile and make your this pile and here's your draw pile. Instead, it's like a board with play mats and miniature player mats where it has it all laid out for you. So everything kind of has a spot. And I'll say it, it is daunting. It's not Fallout the board game daunting. Oh, geez. Or I know I'm taking a stab here because I've never played it, but... Axis and Allies uh, level? That um, seems... That one... Uh, We've always wanted to play it. I, so, yeah, I actually have Axis and Allies, like one of the older versions where it's the whole world still. And I've played it a few times, but it's been a really long time. And it's setting that game up. If, if you're hosting an Axis and Allies night, like, you have to prepare. And, like, I have to prepare, and I have to, like, cover the rules again. So that way I can help people set up right away because the last time I played it, it was no joke, 40 minutes of setup time. And by the time we had everything set up, we were like, well, that was satisfying. Let's put it away now. <laughs> well, I'll say, I think Fallout was almost that level too, like for me, because it was like, we, you know, we were just playing it for the first time. So we had no idea how it worked. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't watched any videos or read anything about it. So I just, you know, I'm, I was a Fallout fan because of the video games. So I was like, I'll get this board game. And yeah, it was like trying to understand the rules, trying to set it up right. And yeah, it's like, you know, 40 minutes later, we're like, okay, we're ready to, we're ready to go home now. Let's just put it in the box. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if we were playing that game right or not when we, when we played it, who knows? I think we, didn't we play it twice? I think, yeah, I think we played it two or three times. Or we played it twice in a night, and then we played it again another night to kind of see how it would go. And it went well, I think. Yeah, I think it did. Once we got it figured out, it's just, yeah, that setup seems like it did take a long time. But kind of once we got into a rhythm with, you know, seeing, you know, how each turn went and how, like, you know, the whatever the quests that we did, you know, how those worked, it it, it was pretty fun. But it... Yeah, it always kind of it'll it always kind of it stays with me how difficult it was to set up and to understand. So I'll say Moonrakers is not that level for me. Yeah, and the instructions were actually laid out really really well. I thought uh, some some games it gets a little dodgy with the rules and the way that it's laid out, and so it's it always feels like it's better to have somebody you know who knows how to play to kind of explain it to you. And that helps with the Moonrakers too. But, you know, as we were reading through the rules, we were like, oh, okay, no, this makes sense. It's a logical progression for how you should explain how the game works. Yeah, and we were, I, you know, we figured it out. And although we were hung up on that, um, 
on the turn the way that you could like you know you get a you have a deck of like these resource cards or whatever that, that you, you that you play as part of your turn and we were thinking that you could just you know shuffle through those multiple times like endlessly basically yeah because some cards allow you to draw more cards and so we thought that well if you have cards that tell you to draw cards even if your personal card stash is gone well then you should shuffle your used ones and keep going right apparently that's not the case so (laughs) yeah so you know that was really when we were playing it that way that was really helping us complete these contracts and so complete them alone especially too there was not a lot of uh, not as much camaraderie and help me help you kind of stuff going right so yeah it definitely makes it a lot more difficult to complete those contracts and then but it highlights the importance of you know soliciting help and working with people and so it it creates this kind of so you pick a contract and then you ask for help and then it creates this you know kind of like bargaining this like barter bargaining system where you're like okay because you get like you get like a monetary reward you get progress towards the goal like earning those honor points or whatever Mm -hmm. and then um sometimes you get um ship parts or like crew or something like that that's a little uh but yeah that's not the the honor or the monetary value and so you kind of you know everybody can see how much it's worth so it's not like you draw something face down you're like okay i have a contract and i need help but you kind of can bluff as to what you get for your reward everybody sees the one that you take and can see what you're yeah uh, gonna get paid for it so you can so you can definitely i mean you do you negotiate like if you're asking for help you know you're like who wants to help me and someone can be like well you know i'll i'll do it for x amount of the monetary reward because you can use that to buy the parts and the crew, you know, later. Yeah. Um, or I'll do it for the the little flavor text thing, like the, you know, the ship part or whatever bonus thing. Or, you know, I'll do it for the, you know, the progression towards the towards the end of the game. So, you know, depending on what those little extra contracts you have, you might not, you know, you can keep this to yourself. You'd keep this to yourself, obviously. Like, you know, I don't care about this part, so I'm just going to, you know, say, okay. And sometimes the contracts have specific um, requirements to complete them. So, like, you need a certain type of part almost on your ship or in your personal draw deck to complete it. Um, The downside is you don't know what you're going to draw from that draw deck necessarily. So the more cards you get that get added to it, obviously the greater your chances are of getting something you don't need. Um, So sometimes you need a really, really specific thing and if you don't have a lot of it, but I know that Nate does, that's kind of where that camaraderie and completion of the contracts come in. In some ways, did you ever see Cowboy Bebop, the uh, anime? I did not. I have not seen that. I've. It's been recommended to me many times. Probably by me. Yeah. Or, uh, yes, and you and others. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh it, the the way that the contracts work in Moonraker's actually reminds me a lot of how the contracts work in Cowboy Bebop, where there's like. A hollow net or like an internet type thing that gets blasted out to all the bounty hunters or whatever that are in the guild mm. so that's kind of what it seems like to me you can't really hide what the reward is necessarily right. and so i mean in the show there's not a lot of bounty hunters hooking up and being like yeah let's complete this contract let's put the reward it's <laughs> you know more cutthroat but right you know they're just like cases. big rewards so we want to take the contract or whatever yeah. so yeah um 
Yeah, and then another part of it is is like, so we're talking about camaraderie and like working together and cooperation and all that, but just because you say you want to help doesn't mean that you're actually going to help. Like you could screw. I mean, that's actually one of the con, one of the one of the secret missions or whatever is to like yeah. is to is to sabotage is to help and like sabotage it. So basically, like I think it's like you agree to help and then you. Um, you cause it to fail, basically. Or you help with a mission, but it fails. Yeah, because uh, there is an option to do nothing. So, yeah. like, you have so many actions, <laughs> but you could just be like, no, I'm done. Yeah, uh, you don't have to keep going. The downside is is that... Um, so there's, there's actually a risk factor with the contracts, the face-up contracts, too, where if you take the contract, you're committed to it. So there's a penalty on some of them where you can go down in honor or you could potentially lose like a degree of monetary value or something like that. So there is like a little bit of a risk. So you got to be careful uh, when you're completing that secret mission, like when you use it to screw over a a table mate, you know, you don't want to do it at a point where it's going to cause them a ton of harm. Mm. But at the same time, maybe you do. So I'm reading on their side, it's prestige. Prestige. Ah. Um, you know, close enough. Whatever. That was pretty close, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess you know, there's um, you know, there's dice rolling in it. Like one of the one of the factors of the contracts is how you know the risk or the danger of it, and that's like how many um, how many defense die you have to roll or die you have to roll. Yeah. And because basically, there's a chance for it to go wrong, and there's special d6 uh, that six-sided dice that come in the game that basically are like you were saying damage dice so you can roll for like your initial risk and you know if it's like a three die roll then you roll the three dice and you could potentially have i want to say six uh missiles that you'd have to dodge if you fail Um, Mm -hmm. and then you roll because it's again by chance and you could roll like zero on the defense and that means you take like a ton of damage and there's all kinds of consequences for that um just overall i would say this game is amazing i've considered picking up my own copy also but the main people i play with already own a copy so i kind of haven't made that plunge just yet but maybe i should to support them a little more actually that's it i should do that so, you know, or if you happen to like move away or something, and then you well, yeah, then you then you'd have to buy. Well, it. Then I'd have to. I wouldn't. Have or choice. you'd have to find you know new people to that have their <laughs> own copies. Be like, hey, that's my that'd be my threshold for friendship. Hey, uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm Josh. Oh, yeah. Do by the way, do you have this game? Oh, you don't. Sorry, I, guess I can't be friends. Again. Yep. Anyway, um, yep. <laughs> um, I don't know what metric one would use to rank a board game against the other, but uh, you know, just for fun. Where does this where does this game rank with you? Um, let's see. Where do you moon rank it? Now, <laughs> where would I moon rank it? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh gosh, I say we'll go with like a five uh, a five moon scale. A five moon scale. Uh, so it's not it's not on it's not Earth. You know, so we just got one. Um, I would probably give it. Um, four or five i think yeah uh now i hesitate to say this because i feel like it's going to cause a a, like a i don't want to say rift but it would be like a tangent but i want to say like um now maybe this is just because i don't haven't played this game enough and this is why i don't i'm not a fan of it but i am not a big fan of carcassonne really 
Interesting. So can you just like can you just put a pin in that and then give me your rating of Moonrakers? <laughs> oh gosh. I didn't realize you didn't like Carcassonne. I never knew. Oh okay. stabbing in my chest. Let me just pull that knife out of my back. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, Moonrakers. I I'm gonna say on a on a five moon scale, I wanna give it four and three quarters harvest moons. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I think. Yeah. I just I thought it was brilliantly executed. The rules made sense. It really clicked together. We didn't have to like with Fallout. That's a really good example because it felt like. I feel like if we pulled that out, we'd have to reread all of the rules, and it would probably take us another would. 45 minutes we to would. get booted up. But Moonrakers, I feel like it stuck with me a little bit. I think if mm-hmm. we pull it out, I would need a refresher, sure, but we could do it. The concept is is pretty is pretty simple. I mean, I think they have like yeah. helper cards, like a lot of games do, that tell you the process of the turn mm-hmm. in there. So it's like, you know, once you've once you've played that a few times, like you're played through the turns and like you kind of like you said, it kind of sticks with you. Whereas, well, I'm sure if we played Fallout more, it would. But like, I just feel like there wasn't that kind of like crystallizing moment with Fallout where it's like, I get it. Or it's like I, we'd have to put in more time with it. So much it was time. a lot of effort. And I feel like we had trouble interpreting the rules a lot. So we had to like what, look at videos of like, I don't some YouTube channels that go through that play through the games. But even then I feel like it wasn't, I didn't, didn't make sense to me. Same, same Moonrakers though, right out of the box. We read the rules. We played the first game and we kind of muddled through it. But then the second game I felt went really smooth Mm -hmm. and then we brought more people in and you know, yep. It kind of spiraled from there. Yeah. It's a good one. So highly recommend. Absolutely. You don't like Carcassonne. I just like so okay. I just I I don't know. It's like I felt. I mean, like this is why I think I just haven't played it enough. Because like I, when I play it, I like I suck at it, and um, I I don't know. I just like it doesn't like resonate with me as like okay. a you know. And I know that it, that's that's a very terrible thing to say. But I love Carcassonne. There's like expansions. I bought the big box. I. There's like a picture that I found on the internet where these guys played like, I don't know, a ridiculously long and huge game and their table ended up taking up like 12 by 12 feet and it was just the most absurd thing ever. And I saw that picture and I thought to myself, why isn't that me? How come I'm not it there playing? It um, So Carcassonne is a unique game where uh, it's a tabletop board game, kind of. Uh, there's tiles that you draw and you build the board as you play. And then you place meeples to claim different things uh, as you build. I'm sorry, meeples? Meeples. 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 And then uh, at the end of the game, you tally up your scores and whoever scored the most wins. Um, it's pretty, I think rules-wise, it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. compared to some other games like, well, Fallout. Fallout. Yeah, it's like the rules were pretty, like, the general idea, the gist of, like, how the turn goes in Carcassonne, um, you know, it's pretty easy to pick up. But then it's like, 
I think I was overwhelmed by like the strategy, like the the it's like that kind of like easy to learn, difficult to master kind of thing. Where it it's really like, is. Where you know you're like, okay, well I'm just gonna you know I'll just capture or, or place a person you know here, and I get you know I get this or I'm guaranteed you know whatever this amount. But then you got people like you or like you know other people you play with that are just like, well I'm gonna do this and you know and it's just you know you're thinking like twenty steps ahead, which you know I think probably is a mark of a good game right yeah it's it's great i think one of the reasons why i ended up liking it so much is i can play with my kids who uh and i started playing with them a few years ago when they were even younger so there's a lot of like nate was saying a lot of uh simple strategy that they can learn so it's a good learning strategy game for them you can just draw see what you get play and have a good time doing that or you can kind of think about uh, like what's left in the draw bag and think about, well, I know that there's no more of the cities that have this shape, so I can't finish my wall and, or that sort of thing um, and kind of plan out what you claim and how you claim it. and um, You can't claim something that somebody else has already claimed with, your, with, a, with a meeple on your turn. However, if you place something like adjacent to them and then it gets connected, then that's a different story. And so that's like a level of strategy that goes into it. Mm. So that's that's probably why I like it is because, you know, I tend to enjoy strategy-based games quite a bit. My kids obviously, you know, they're, when I got this game, they were in like fourth grade and kindergarten. So there's, you know, high-level strategy wasn't really up their alley, but they really liked playing it. They liked building the map and stuff. So that's probably why I became so enamored with it. I think part of it is just like I'm I'm a little intimidated by it. You know, just playing like me having a very basic and limited uh, understanding and exposure to it. I've only played it a few times, you know, to like to you and and other and you know the folks we play with that uh you know that are like play this a lot and they're just like yeah, I'm going to do all these things and I'm just like I, I put put a thing down and I get a point. <laughs> Maybe, okay. Um, so yeah, I think it's you know if I were to play it some more, and I'm sure I would probably appreciate it more. It's kind of uh, it. It's one of the few games though where it talks about playing friendly in the rules. Most games like the goal is for you to win. Okay, so yep. it's a degree of competitiveness. And there is that in Carcassonne. I can't pretend like it's not there, because it definitely is. But it also talks about in the rules about, like, if someone's going to play something in a dumb place, don't let them do it. You know? And <laughs> now, so, is that an official rule, or is it like a, ho- like a suggested house rule kind of thing? It's in the rules. like. So you're supposed to be... Friendly. Friendly. Yeah. Okay. And be like, you know, if someone's like, ooh, I got this weird piece, I don't know where to place it then everybody leans in and, and, and like helps you strategize a little bit and is like, well, you could place it here or maybe place it here. These seem like good spots to me. So it's kind of kind of like that. So is there ever any degree of like uh, deception with it? I guess that would be, a, that would go against the rules then. Yeah, it's not supposed to be. It's kind of, I mean, obviously you can't, you could be really mean and totally, I don't know. I suppose that would maybe, that wouldn't make the game quite as enjoyable if you're just totally... Yeah, cutthroat, and you're just like, oh, you know, and you're totally like lying to people, like, yeah, you should put it over there. That'd be great. And it's like, oh, 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 look, look what you did. Yeah, silly, right? Yeah. Now I win again. 
it's one of those it's one of those games too where definitely i was like you know i played with a bunch of my friends and different people and in different combinations of people and i was like yeah no i feel pretty good about my skills as a carcassonne player and then i went online and i like downloaded the app and tried to play online and i was like i can't win <laughs> i've never won an online match it does not happen i cannot do it so is this um is it is it on the phone like on your phone they have a phone app or is it on the computer yeah, it's a it's it's available on Android and iOS. Oh, what about so, Windows Phone? Uh, I couldn't say. It's not really a thing anymore. So, if any of our listeners has a <laughs> Windows Phone, I would love to hear from you. Yeah, I want. How to, are you still making it work? I think I think I would like to know who hurt you and if we can mm. get you to therapy. Now that's a whole nother thing. I mean, apparently there's people that not the latest iteration, like after Microsoft, like basically gave up on windows phone but like yeah. windows phone 7 i believe wow. there's a lot of very passionate people that were into that oh cool um well if you're one of those i want to hear from that but anyway I'd like to I, do a comparison i don't know if a windows phone still works i think you could maybe activate it but microsoft isn't uh i don't think they're offering uh updates anymore maybe they're doing like security patches but you can turn it on no apps no apps. Uh, yeah, there's no apps. Uh, you could probably get cell service, so you could, you know, call 911 or your grandma or whatever. But, yeah, there that was always the problem. No apps. They tried really hard for, for about 10 minutes. They had a Windows phone. And actually, actually, I did almost, like, that was on my list. I was like, when I'm ready to upgrade, I might get a Windows phone. Because they, uh, there's a Sherlock Holmes remake on tv uh called elementary not sure if it's still on but i started watching that and so they started doing product placement in that and they had like a little camera attachment so he needed to like get in and he had this little thing it just clipped on to the phone's camera so that you could have like a little zoom slash macro lens and i was like lens dang if i could have that technology on my phone that'd be great and then uh you know i my brother-in-law got a uh, Windows phone, and I was like, hey, can I check that out? And so I did, and I was like, yeah, this is garbage, buddy. You should return it. <laughs> <laughs> so Windows phones were always known for having really good cameras. Yeah. Like like outstanding cameras. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that they were, they were kind of pimping that out in that show. I had one briefly. So uh, through my work, um, you know, they uh, – you know, kindly provide uh, or pay a large portion of the, um, like, if you want to upgrade and phone service and that kind of thing. Um, so that's cool. So it's just like, hey, upgrade time. Get a new phone. Nice. And uh, so my upgrade came, and I was all like, I really want to try a Windows phone. I should get a Windows phone. I, I think I had, like, an iPhone at the time. And everyone was like, what, really? Are you sure? Like the guy that I talk to, you know, at work, it's they, that I tell who I tell him what I want. You know, he's like, uh, what? And I was like, oh no, it'll be cool. You know, we, you know, it's work. You know, we we use it's Microsoft. You know, we use Outlook and all that stuff. You know, Word at at work. So I put it on my phone. It'll be awesome. And so he's like, okay. So he ordered it, and I got it. And I was like, you know, I'm a guy that likes to likes to download apps, like you know. Whatever, yeah. social media, games, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, and I ran immediately. I was like, well, well, shoot, there's not very many apps for this phone. Three minutes later, he downloaded all seven apps. Yep, done. 
It's like I got my email set up. I got I can text people, and I got the apps for work, and okay. You know what it reminded me of a little bit? Like, you remember in the early days of DVD where one of the special features was, like, trailers for other movies? That's what the <laughs> Windows phone felt like. It was like, I downloaded an app. Which app is it? The text messaging the app. text messaging app. <laughs> Yay. I downloaded Weather. Yeah, that's what it felt like. So, yeah, so I had it. I think I had it for, like, a week. And I was immediately when I got it, I was just like, Ugh. like all my, all my, you know, naivety, naivety, naivete, you know, and like starry eyed technology, technology stuff. I was, you know, I got it and I was just like, this sucks. And, and I actually, I thought like, like taking pictures, I'm like, oh, at least the camera is going to be awesome. Right. So I took pictures and I'm like, these don't look that great. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this is supposed to be really great. Like, some 80 billion megapixel camera. I don't know, it was like 20, I don't yeah. know, I think, at the time. Um, anyway, so I wasn't impressed. So uh, so I told the guy at work, I was like, yeah, you're right. Can I just, <laughs> you just get me an iPhone? And that's what happened. So anyway, that's a tangent we went on there. Um, we're talking about Carcassonne. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we so were talking Carcassonne. about the app. Playing it on your phone, yeah. So I played. Uh, there, there's, there's actually. I have two apps. For so the you said it, app. you said it was mobile, like f- yeah. it was phone. Uh-huh. Is there a computer version too, or no? I'm, do people I'm sure even there play is. like casual games like that on their computer. I'm sure they do. I don't know. Maybe. There are computer gamers. I, I do play games on my computer, but it, I'm sure it's out there. There's, uh, you know, there's like forums and like fan clubs still and whatnot for Carcassonne. So I'm sure there, I'm sure there is. I think, I think I actually downloaded that one time like I uh, think you did it was on my like uh you were talking about like your nook or something you had it on your nook yeah so you're like nate you should download this game we can play carcassonne and so i think we played a couple games maybe and then it was just kind of like yeah yeah my my old uh nook hd plus so a long time ago i was gonna get a tablet and I was kind of asking a few of my tech friends a little bit, and they were like, oh, don't waste your money on that. Just get an <laughs> iPad. It's going to serve you so much better. Um, and I was like, nah, I really like my, you know, my Nook color that I had rooted and sideloaded a bunch of stuff. Felt mm-hmm. like a hacker man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided to get the Nook HD+, Plus, also because it was cheaper, and at the time it had one of the best screens available. So I got it, and that thing lasted me, no joke, like eight years of pretty decent use. And then when they unlocked like the Android App Store for it, and I could sync up my apps that way, I was like, oh, I can make play Carcassonne on here. Perfect. So it was like my, my Carcassonne device. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, I had one. Um, I bought one, and I rooted it. And, you know, and, and loaded, you know, it was in, obviously, mine was, like, in, like, a janky Android setup. Cyanogen mod, probably. Yeah, that's what it was. So you had the Nook Color, though, I think. I can't remember what I'm, it was. I'm pretty sure. And that one was actually a lot easier to uh, slice into. Mm. The the When they upgraded to the, to the HD and the HD+, Plus, it was got a lot more tricky and i never actually needed to because they finally unlocked android app store for barnes and noble and yeah i was gonna say so they actually did that yeah so you could load all your google stuff on there and the so app you store. read kindle books on my nook yay <laughs> and they're like barnes and noble's like no um 
yeah, I actually ended up selling like selling it to one of one of my wife's uh, co-workers back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I brought my Nook uh, color from somebody who was uh, oh yeah, it was my stepdad. He was upgrading to an iPad, of course. An iPad, those are a thing. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's nifty because I think that's probably what a lot of people were probably clamoring for they're like just make it a tablet just make it like a regular android tablet yeah like, and now that's fine like what they're doing i think lenovo is going to make the next wave of barnes and noble tablets are they still making them they are they're well they're going to i heard uh i heard some heard some stuff we'll see who knows my question is well i, I mean they still make kindles obviously well, uh, but it's like why so it's like why okay now, like, why would you get one of those over an iPad? I mean, I know that's probably, you know, you're probably just like, God, Nate. So, well, funnily, funnily enough, I have an iPad now, and I use it, and it's okay. Um, And I mean that exactly like it sounds. It's okay. iPads are not great. I, I think uh, I kind of... Josh, you've... I, so a lot of our listeners are probably turning us off right now. That's probably true. I'm notoriously pro Android. Okay, I've got a uh, Pixel phone. I don't that's like right. Apple phones, but if you do, that's fine. Nate, you kind of go back and forth. That's yep. cool. And I haven't disowned you yet. I will say that I had a hand in pushing you into getting an iPad. It's a little true. bit. A little bit. It has certain functionality over other ecosystems and so like audio editing i found an app and it works really great and the pencil's real nice uh the downside is is that i forgot just how much the operating system takes up space wise uh to the point that i don't understand why there's even a 32 gigabyte ipad and that's something that i just totally spaced because i got so used to like expandable memory hmm so is so, that the size you got was 32? I did. I got a 32. Totally regret it. I should have gotten the 100 or maybe held out for a pro. The other downside is I can't download directly to my iPad. I have to download to like my phone and then upgrade it, upload it to a different app, which then I can download to my iPad most of the time. But to answer your question of like, why would you get a Nook? So specifically, why would you get a Nook tablet? Hmm. Um, basically... It's for people who don't want to mess around with technology too much. If you like to read a lot on a full-color screen, they're pretty easy to use. It comes pre-installed. The Barnes & Noble app is pretty easy to use, so you just kind of tap it. And it gives you a physical brick-and-mortar store to take it into if you have an issue. True. So you could argue it's for a certain demographic of people. Um, but also it just... Uh, you know, my Barnes & Noble discount applied to the Nook HD Plus when I got it. Mm. So there was that. It made it actually a little bit cheaper than going with something else. At the time, an mm-hmm. iPad was way it was like one to $200 more. Right. And it didn't do anything that I needed or wanted it to do at the time. Well, and I know like the, the Kindles, I mean, I know they have like, um, I actually, even though I did own one of the Nooks, I didn't, I don't know a lot about them. Uh, but I know, like the Kindles have like the uh, like like the real like the paper white or whatever they call it, where it's you know just bare bones, basic. You know you you're just reading books. That's all you're doing. Well, yeah, and that's like a different thing because the uh, e-readers. I mean, those are people who want to read 
mm -hmm. but not have like a physical book. And right. I, so I have a so I actually have one of those nooks presently. That's the e ink. Got the nook yep. uh, three glow light or because it's like you can carry so many books with just one with the size of like one book. And it is pretty handy. So I have the button. Mine has the option where I can swipe on the screen, or there's buttons that I can use to turn the pages. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty handy. It's not for me. Nothing really replaces like physically holding a book and turning the pages, but I'd say it's pretty close. You know, and I, you know, back in the day when I used to have a blog, I mean, I still have it, but I haven't written on it in a long time. I, uh, I blog, I blogged about this, uh, thing. um, the, uh, difference between, you know, kind of the, the, the physical, the physical book camp and like the e-reader or the, you know, tablet camp. And, you know, at the time I was like, man, I really, I really just like reading, reading a book on on a device doesn't feel it almost like doesn't feel like I'm actually reading a book like you know it's like like obviously I'm not reading physically reading a book but it like almost feels like it doesn't count or at the time is kind of what it felt like yeah or, or like uh, audiobooks like I've always kind of had a and it's probably because I haven't listened to them really but like I always kind of feel like you're not really reading it when you you know when you when you listen to it um it depends. It just it kind of depends. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I, I I like audiobooks. I like my audiobooks. Yeah, yeah. Really I know you. Handy. I know you do. I know you like those, and a lot of people do. But I also like reading, and I don't. They're not the same, but I think it counts. Like obviously, it means it's someone telling you a story. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like so. Um, it's like you're gonna pick it up. You know. I mean, you watch movies. You 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 know. You, know, you watch TV shows, you listen to stories. I mean, this is... And there's some readers that can make a, a decent book great mm. as well. Um, and they put like a different... Because, you know, some some readers, it's really hokey and they're like... They're reading along like, and he said to her, Hey, baby, how you doing? Oh, my goodness. You know? <laughs> uh, so there's some of that. But, you know, occasionally you find a book where there's, like, an actual actor reading it. And they, you know, bring their craft to the book. And it really gives the book, like, a new flavor and a new life. So sometimes it's kind of nice. And I suppose, but... like, if, you, if you're listening to someone uh, read it, especially if an actor... You know, you could probably get a different interpretation or a different take on, you know, certain passages or, or even the whole thing. Like you read it and you're like, you read it and you think about it one way, like, and then, you know, you listen to them yeah. read it and you're like, wow, that's totally different, you know? So, so it's like, there's a book series I read that I'm a big fan of called The Dresden Files. Probably recommended it before. If I have it, Nate, then I apologize. You should read the Dresden Files. No, you have. It's okay. But uh, I found these because uh, when I worked downtown, I would sometimes like sprint to the library on my fifteen-minute breaks, go to like the new audiobook table, and just pick a random audiobook, and then sprint back to work and listen to that. And I picked uh, the book um, Cold Day. No, uh, man, which one was that? Small Favor. And the reason I picked it, I was like, ooh, what's this? Small favor. Looks intriguing. And I look at the back, and I didn't even look at the description of the book. The first thing I looked at was a picture of the, the book narrator, and it was James Marsters. So Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. Which I wasn't like – I'm not like a big fan of that show necessarily. I just remember watching like 
a couple of episodes in the middle of the night when I was a kid, and I was always like, ah, it's Spike Guy, it's great. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, I'm going to get this just because he's the reader. And then, like, just completely loved the book, went back, discovered it was part of a series, read all of them. So I've, like, read, read them all, and I've listened to them all. Um, and now I've, like, seen some interviews between the author, Jim Butcher, and the narrator, James Marsters, and Jim talks about James, and he's like, yeah, so sometimes you really put, like, emphasis on, uh, like, certain things, and it makes certain situations almost seem like they come off a little humorous, and I didn't intend that. And mm. so James was like, really, which ones? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you which ones, because I don't want you to, like, alter the way you read it. <laughs> I like what you've brought to it. So it really kind of, you know... It's a different, mm. uh, I think audiobooks are an art form in and of themselves, or they yeah, can Yeah, well, you know, and you talk about, you know, sometimes there's an actor, because, I mean, you know, there's people that, you know, that their job, they just narrate, or, you know, they read these audiobooks or whatever, but mm -hmm. maybe they're not, they're not throwing, like, thespian stuff at it, you know, they're just, you know, reading it to you, and I think you've told me, and I've heard, um, like, there's, uh, there's a certain recording of the... Lord of the Rings audiobook where mm -hmm. they have a, the whole ca like a, they have a whole cast right yeah was, was it, it like a BBC like yes. a radio it was a BBC a... production was this from I... the seventies is when it was or sixties maybe sixties or seventies I don't know a long time ago anyway so what's cool about it though is that the guy Ian Holm who plays Bilbo in the Lord of the Rings movies was Frodo in the audiobook production. Um, but it's all word for, well, there's like, I'm trying to remember now because it's been a real long time since I've listened to that version of it. Um, I can't remember if it was the radio play, so they did take a little liberties, but I've also listened to some books where it's like inspired by the book. So like you would expect from a movie, only it's closer to the book. Um, and so that it fits in a time slot for radio. But then I have other audiobooks, like I have a version of The Godfather in my Audible account, where it's word for word the book, but different voices narrate different characters. And they really bring uh, the acting chops to it, and it comes through real well. Not just the narrator doing different voices, but actual different people. Actual different people. I've read, so I read The Godfather a few, like, quite a while ago, um... And it was good, you know. I've seen the movies and stuff, but I haven't. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a neophyte. I think is the word for uh, with audiobooks. I haven't right. haven't just haven't delved into it. I probably should. I think I can share that book from you know. So if you uh, decide to go with an Audible account, I think I have one. I can uh, I can share that book with you, and you can check it out. It's pretty good. It's a it's an older recording, so it definitely has almost like. Uh, 70s vibe to it just a little bit it's it definitely sounds to me like it was recorded on reel to reels as opposed to like a digital recording mm, a lot of like uh what do you call it like uh hissing like, like that yeah. you're like you hear like the you know just it just has a different the pops a different quality like there's certain things that they did differently then that we don't do now so yeah, there's just a different, uh, there's just like a different sound and a different timbre that that we used to go for with audiobooks because that was, it was just the style, you know. It's not like, there's not like a lot of transatlantic accents in it or anything like that, but it's it's just 
it has a very different sound and feel and you can tell it's an older recording but it is fantastic maybe maybe that'll be the one that'll push me push me into uh into audiobooks and you know it, it obviously you're not you're not just like one you know take one and get rid of the others i mean it's just it's a different it's like you said it's an art form it's a different way to take in um you know pieces of literature you know you can read it on screen you can you can hold the actual book in your hand and read it or you can um listen to the audio version absolutely i'm pretty uh i'm pretty pro literacy you know i it kind of doesn't matter to me too like what the book is Uh, if somebody took the trouble to write it and convinced a publisher to publish it that's fine like it's all kind of viewer discretion is advised. Consumer discretion is always advised. You know, if you are reading something and you don't like it, don't finish it. Don't recommend it. Burn after reading if you'd like. I don't know. I will say I found a lot of really cool books that have brought a lot to, like, uh, our GURP sessions. Uh, for those of you who don't know, GURPS is... Uh, Generic Universal Roleplay System by Steve Jackson Games. This podcast also not sponsored by Steve Jackson Games. But we wish it was. But we kind of wish it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's there's stuff that I've, like, almost completely ripped from, from books that I found uh, on accident because of, like, Audible. Where they're like, hey, this book is on sale. You want to check it out? And I did. So... And that's cool. Like, you weren't really expecting, you know, you didn't know what to expect when you got that. And you're just like, wow, that's neat. I'm going to use this, you know, in, in GURPS. Have there been ones that were, you know, I don't know, recommended or you saw them and then you check it out and you're like, this is garbage. Yeah. So actually, Audible has a good return policy. Uh, you can return any book and it kind of doesn't. And it used to be, it's been a while since I've had to return a book, uh, but it used to be that you could return any book regardless of like how long you've had it. Mm hmm. So when they did that, I actually had The Hobbit, but the narrator for the version that I had was just terrible. He sounded bored and like he hated his job. And so I returned that. Uh, Hobbit's not even that long. Come on. I know, I know man. Like, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and be like, just hey, payday. Power through it, yeah. yeah. Get, that, get that money, man. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there was that. And then there was one other book, too, where I can't remember which one it was, but I got it. I started listening to it, and I was like, I don't like it. I don't know if it's a narrator. Don't know if it's a book. I'm done. Oh no, I do remember. It was um, uh, they made it into a movie. What's that movie? Will Smith and like the zombies and the dog. I am Legend. It was the I am Legend. The book. I started that on Audible, and I was like, I don't like the narrator. So and so I just returned it. It's. Did you read the book? Like actually read it? Not yet. No. No. See, I'd recommend that one. I read, I read it, um, and uh, I don't think it's very long. But yeah, it's pretty good. So yeah, it's interesting that you know, the so yeah with with the audible or you know with audiobooks, you know the the narrator, the quality of the narrator, and I guess the attitude or whatever mm-hmm. that they put into it, like that's just another another um, aspect that you have to take into consideration. Because with a book, you're just like. You know, I mean, sure, I'm sure a lot of people buy books because they're like, wow, look, the cover is all cool, and I like this picture. and But then it's just it's just text, I mean, mostly. 
yeah depending on the book obviously but well that's like the weird thing is people are always like don't judge a book by its cover and i'm like no that's why books have covers so you can try and judge them a little bit <laughs> honestly i don't know but you might be wrong if you do it that way it you might, might miss out yeah there's a couple of like uh narrators that uh, i recommend i just anything that they that they read i am in favor of so if they did like the phone uh, book or something i mean yeah, if they make those still yeah, so uh, Ray Porter is one of them. Uh, he's he's just like a fantastic reader. There's another guy, uh, Tim Gerard Reynolds. He's really good. He they and they they both work because you know they bring different cadences to like different people that they read, and there's a lot of depth. So to it. anyway, do they? So like a male narrator, I mean. I'm sure there's like an art to and a choice they have to make like when they read uh, you know if they're going to read a female voice are they going to go all like I'm going to change my voice so it sounds like a female or they're just going to go straight like reading the text and that's it yeah so that's always a kind of an interesting thing when somebody reads the opposite gender uh and there's some that I've uh, that I like who when they read it's when it's a male reader and they're doing a female voice, they just like alter their cadence and they kind of bring it a little more high pitched, but they don't try to sound like a woman. Like, because, oh, I'm being a girl now. Uh, you know, yeah, they don't do that garbage. Just, you know, yeah, it's I mean, because it just sounds uh, I, th- I think it just sounds fake. And although they're totally. not trying to sound real, they they realize that they can't make it sound real. And so they just do enough so that way when the female speaks, it's not like you have to be like, wait a minute, who said that? Wait, who said that? You know, so that I really appreciate about about readers. And I think that's kind of a like a skill that you have to learn probably with experience, I would imagine. Um, yeah, because that's like, I mean, yeah, there's definitely skill and like, you, you know, you have to decide how you're going to do that because I don't, you know, my only experience with reading books out loud is, you know, reading to my son and, you know, sometimes like for a while there, I would like, I would really try to do all these like different voices and make each character, you know, reading these like kids books, you know, and trying to do like each character differently and like, you know, really unique. And, uh, you know, for a time it was all right. But then after a while he's like, he's like, don't do those voices. (laughs) (laughs) So then I just, you know, I just read it straight, you know, read stuff straight now and, and, uh, you know, don't, don't really try to alter it much. Don't throw accents or yeah, don't change the, you know, really don't change like the high pitch, you know, the pitch or anything like that. My kids are pretty hit and miss on that. I have one book in particular where it takes place in like a bayou in Texas. And so my daughter insists that like I ratchet it up to 11 when I read it mm. and she just, even if the story is not particularly humorous, it just she just dies laughing because <laughs> she's it just nice. I go all the way and when the characters yell, I yell and um, she just loves it. But then there's other books too where she's like, maybe don't do that right now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, and then you just read and it's fine. Yeah, okay. So I take that back. Like I, you're talking about Texas. I was reading some of the Hank the Cow Dog books. Have okay. you ever heard of those? I have heard of them. They're great kids books. Um, I read them when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, kind of throw like, try to differentiate, I was trying to, to differentiate the different characters and, and think of different ways to, you know, 
how to make their voices sound and the accents and everything. And he didn't tell me to stop doing that. <laughs> and I was kind of having fun with it. The problem, I was having issues though, problem like remembering who sounds like what. Yeah. And I found that uh, what I do is I um, pick an actor and like one of their roles and I start and I kind of, assuming there's not too many characters to do this with because you do lose track real quick sometimes. Uh, but I try and associate that actor with like a certain character and that way I try and imitate that a little bit. And like my kids don't know because they haven't seen the same movies I have so I can do anything I want. Right. But you know, if I'm like, for now, right, yeah. Till they get older. And then so I'm like, like all right, so this guy, he's old man, McGillicuddy. He's going to be Sam Elliott in like, you know, so that's like, that's what I'll do for him. And then, you know, it just varies throughout. So that's like, that's like my secret with them. So I'm like, okay, so this person, this actor from gotcha. this role. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was, I, you know, reading Hank the cow dog. So they're all like, well, there's people, but there's, you know, most of the characters are animals, dogs, cats, coyotes. Yeah. So I would just be like, I was like, man, is Pete the cat? Was I making him sound like some guy from like Brooklyn or... Um and Hank is just you know yeah <laughs> so anyway I'll have to try the uh, the actor thing I'm acting yeah <laughs> uh, no you know assigning different to to a specific actor um hmm I really like this uh, tangent that we've gotten on that's uh, I find I really enjoy that. Um, as opposed to like having like a real strict and rigid agenda, like powering through for, um, you know, recording a podcast. Yeah. Well, we're the open eclectic. Why? Because, uh, we're open to talk about just about anything and the topics tend to be very eclectic. That's right. We have a plan and we don't bother sticking to it. (laughs) That, you know, really, that's a really, I think we found a really great name. I like it a lot. I like it better, much better than our original name. Yeah. The the weekend pop. Yeah. That that almost feels like kind of uh, kind of lazy. I mean, it was my idea that that name. I think, and I was yeah, and look, and I'm I liked like, it too though. I don't know. I was very on board with it, and then later as we started doing it, it was just like I don't want to be tied. To yeah, I don't want to be like I don't want to be like a news recapping you know thing where we're just okay this week in pop. Where clearly we didn't record every week since you know from when we started, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the year in pop. No, we're not <laughs> this uh, join us next year at the same time this, for the next episode. This uh, this gives us uh, this lends itself the title lends itself really well to our to our format. I think absolutely merch coming soon. Yep, that's about all we got time for today um, here on the Open Eclectic. Um, if you, uh, if you'd like to check us out online, um, on your various social medias, um, uh, we're the open eclectic on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. And, uh, so if people are interested in seeing more from you, Nate, I understand you're on another podcast very regularly. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm on a podcast called, uh, Tire Kicker. Um, and, uh, just a actually a couple guys that i work with um and you know we're all we all uh, appreciate cars and just like talking about whatever um so it's uh you can find them online find us online at uh, at tire kicker media um we're on all the all the social medias uh, we're on ko-fi as well 
I don't know if we have a Ko-Fi. I think we do. I was just going to ask what Ko-Fi is. So Ko-Fi, it's ko-fi.com um, slash the Open Eclectic slash Tire Creek Media. Um, it's a place where uh, fans can can uh, buy you a coffee. Oh. So they basically throw you some, they can donate to you. It's like a like a uh, commitment list Patreon. Yeah. Yes, basically. Cool. Like, hey, get yourself get yourself a frappuccino, bro. bro. So yeah, I mean, there's like, I think there's like, uh, this shows how familiar I am with it. Um, you know, Tire Kicker's gotten we've gotten a couple donations. Um, uh, there's like a set amount, you know, like five bucks or something, buy a coffee, you know, and so. Cool. Um, yeah. So if if people really like the show and you know either of the shows and they want to you know want to donate and. Um, have that money go, you know, go back into the podcast, go for it. And Josh, uh, I know that you are part of uh, another podcast. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, I'm occasionally a guest on and editor of the Toy Photographers podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. Or you could find me on Instagram. I'm the Gray Cleric. That's T H E G E. You can find me on Instagram at the Gray Cleric. That's the spelled the usual way: T H E Gray G R E Y Cleric K L E R I K, where I do toy photography and sometimes other cool stuff too. Highly recommend the Gray Cleric. Um, a lot of cool uh, toy photography and other things on yeah. there as well. Thinking about starting a store. Really? Yeah, thinking about selling, maybe putting together some prints that are like kind of my quality. I'm also under that username. You could find me on like all kinds of stuff. Um, just Google it. Just Google it. I think I'm on Flickr. I mm-hmm. think I started a Flickr a long time ago, and that's that's where I put like some of my more uh, high quality images that would definitely be up for sale. Um, humorously, I actually predicted an episode of The Mandalorian. So, spoiler warning. Remind me, Nate, have you caught up on Mandalorian? I don't want to nope. spoil it. Then I'm not going to say I'm a, I got about five minutes into the first episode. I was watching it with my son. And I was like, oh, they're, someone's head's going to get like cut off or something. I'm that like, might yeah, we probably for... shouldn't watch this. So, I was like, I just, it's one of those shows. I'm like, I know I need to watch it. I'm just like, I haven't carved out time to do it yet. Okay. Well, anyway. So, wait. So, Okay, without spoiling it, so you you predicted it in a series of photos that you set up with your toys, like yes, the toy there's photos. A, there's a particular photo where I was like, "Oh, you know what I should do is what I did," <laughs> and then and then literally the next week, um, I have a friend who uh, actually helped me with the photo and does uh, aerial photography, and so he's kind of like my photography buddy a little bit. And he calls me, he goes, "Josh, Josh, Josh, Josh." I was like, "What?" And he goes. Did you see this week's episode yet? And I was like, no, not yet. I'm, I'm waiting. i got to watch it with my kids, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, well, would you hurry up and then let me know when you're done? <laughs> Which was weird because, like, you know, we're not – we don't talk about shows a lot, and he doesn't watch a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. So it was even more peculiar. And then I found out that, like, the shot that I took, something very similar happens in an episode of The Mandalorian. And I took the shot before I saw the episode. So that was kind of like a fun – So now I need to get caught up. Is this from season one? Because they're on season two now. Oh, man. I think it was from season one. 
Now, would so would this photo be on your Flickr account or on Instagram? Both. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah, dude, you should uh, start a store. That'd be sweet. Get a store going. You could you could go like all you can go Patreon. You yeah. should do that. I mean, we'll see. That'd I awesome. uh, I do. I have had one person purchase a set of uh, my prints. I did a six image narrative for the toy photographer's blog, and. Uh, in case you don't know, a six image narrative is where you tell tell a story in six images, and I did, and I did one about the stormtrooper who was looking for the droids on Tatooine, um, and so I had uh, somebody reach out to me and was like, "I'd like to buy a set of these," and I was like, "Really?" <laughs> so I did. I sold them a set, and I got a set for me, and they're like metallic prints, and they're they're very nice, sweet. But anyway, awesome. so yeah, you can find us there. I I engage. You can PM me on, at the Great Cleric. I'll I'll message you back. Maybe or PMS on uh, the Open Eclectic. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this is this is just scintillating what I'm saying right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what Josh said. If you wanna, yeah, if you wanna shoot us a message, uh, go for it, and we will get back to you. And if you got any ideas or things you'd like us to talk about, um, let us know. We'll uh, see if we can incorporate it into the show. So until next time. Um, witty catchphrase insert witty catchphrase here cool alright everybody we'll talk to you later thank you so much for listening you can find The Open Eclectic on Twitter Facebook Instagram and MySpace want us to ramble on about something specific or have a comment on what you just heard send us an email at theopeneclectic at gmail.com we now have a Ko-Fi if you feel like supporting the show. That's ko-fi.com slash theopeneclectic. Or support the show by leaving us a review. Thanks. We hope you'll join us again next time on The Open Eclectic.